0: Uh, good morning church. How are you? That wasn't bad. I'll try. How are you? Okay. Uh, we're told not to talk in church, and then the preacher wants you to talk. It's very confusing. I know that. Um, we're delighted to be here with you this morning, and I'm glad to be here with Dr. Paulson and the choir. Um, thanks for allowing us, and thank you for supporting Vanguard College. Uh, I know all of our students think they pay too much for school. I know that. I know that, and I pray for them. But the truth is, um, they'd be paying a whole lot more if it wasn't for churches like your, yourself who actually support uh, and um, and fund the college uh, and the education we provide for our students. Uh, so. Thank Thank you for, for doing that. Looking forward to being with you this morning. Um, I love any Sunday morning. I just love to gather with other believers who have experienced that almighty God, who know the truth of Calvary, uh, and together we can lift our hearts and worship and praise. That's always a privilege, and, and we almost take it for granted because we do it weekly, um, but we ought not to take it for granted. We get to gather together and just worship God with our song, our praise, and our testimony. Uh, and now it's time as uh, Pastor. Moshe said, it's time to look at the Word of God, and and for that, I I consider this always a really high and uh, esteemed privilege to kind of open God's Word. I I wish I could have been with you throughout your previous series on Vintage Faith. I love that passage. It's an amazing passage where Peter says, God's given us everything we need for life and godliness. That's a powerful statement. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. And so I, I wish I could have been there for the whole series. I've listened to someone online. Um, you, know, you hear Pastor Jeff throwing down the Greek. It's like, that's, wow, um, so proud. And then last week, I thought Pastor Marla was going to break out into karaoke for a few moments. Uh, just thought that might happen. That was an attempt at humor. Okay, thank you very much for uh, jumping on that. Um, but this morning, we're going to look at the Word of God. But, but before, before we do that, and I know... I know you don't really know me, and I haven't got a chance to meet you, but I really feel this morning that before I go any further, I have to make a confession. I I have to make a confession. And and that may seem odd and strange because you you just introduced Vice President, and you're making a confession. The Bible says confession is good for the soul. But here's the confession I have to make. There's something that I find hard to do and something else that I find I do far too easily. Something I find hard to do and something that I do far too easily. And and before I get into the specifics, I'm guessing though, even though I haven't met you face to face, I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one in the room who needs to make the same confession. In fact, I think it's almost part of the human condition. So here's the confession, and don't judge me harshly. Um, The thing that I find hard to do is to wait. I I find it hard to wait. I I don't know about you, heads bowed, eyes closed. I, I find it hard to wait. It happens anytime I'm driving, and other people happen to be driving on the same road as me, I, I find it hard to wait sometimes. When I'm on hold, when I'm on the phone, I've called some company, some business, and I've been put on hold, and, and they assure me that my call is very important to them, and then they appreciate my patience. And to be kind of honest, I think they're presuming my patience because they don't know my blood pressure in that moment of time. But I, I find it hard to wait. I, I was going to check my phone. Um, I know this is really rude. It's really rude. I'm on my Find My Friends app. Yeah, she's there. And my wife, Pam, we're going to be married 35 years this July. You can send cards and chocolate and cash. Um, <laughs> Just just in the cash. Okay? No. Um, she's at the airport right now. She's flying out flying to Montreal on a, on, a, on a work trip. So so right now she is going through the security line at the airport. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I find it hard to wait. In, that, in fact, sometimes, especially driving, flying through Toronto, Pearson International Airport, and you get to the security line, and you see how many people are waiting in, in those cattle lines, and, and they have three—they only have three of 13 stations open. And I'm going, are they surprised that there are so many flights taking off in the next hour and a half, two hours? And something in me just, I find it hard to wait. Or how about, uh, we live in Sherwood sure Park. And I don't go there anymore. But the first time I went to the registry on Y Road in Sherwood Park, I thought I would just die. I just like, it's a small place, and there's so many people in line. And it just, so I confess, I find it hard to wait. And then the thing that I find I do far too easily is wine. Wine. Wine cry. Old Testament word, murmur. Mommy. Have you been in a grocery store at Walmart or wherever and you're in the checkout line and there's that young child who wants some gum or candy or chocolate bar and the parent being responsible has said no. And it starts The whining, the tantrum because they're not getting what they want. I I think we've all seen that child. Some of us have had that child. Some of you are that child and you're 42. Get over it already. We whine. We complain, and it usually leads to some kind of blame, Wine, complain, some kind of blame. And the human condition is this. We have a hard time waiting for stuff, and then we also often begin to whine. And oftentimes our whine turns to a complain and blaming. And oftentimes when things don't go the way we want them to go, the way we imagined that they would go, even the way that we had prayed and claimed that they should go, we begin to whine, complain, and even blame God. You know what really bugs me? We can have a beautiful spring day. Let's all say hallelujah to that. Uh, a spring day. Summer is coming and so are the mosquitoes. But, but we're, we're waiting for them. You can have a beautiful day, a sunrise, sunset. It's a beautiful day and we say nothing. But then there's a hurricane or a storm or a tornado and the insurance world calls it an act of God. Here's their definition. An accident or event resulting from natural causes without human intervention or agency and one that can, cannot have been prevented by reasonable foresight or care, floods, lightning, earthquake, or storms is an act of God. He gets no credit for the beautiful days and all the blame for the storm. So I say all that to say that my confession and this fact that we do try to tend to whine and complain and and the whole waiting bit, it comes from a passage in the Old Testament. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to to Isaiah chapter 40. So turn or swipe on your technology to Isaiah chapter 40, please. Um, If you're not overly familiar with the Bible, it's got two large sections. There's the Old Testament Um, It's older in its history. It's God and, and, and creation. And this people of God called Israel, who are called his chosen people, not as BFFs, but they're chosen for mission. They're chosen that through them, God's blessing can be made known to the whole world. And then you transition, uh, after 39 of those Old Testament books, into the New Testament, which tells us the story of Jesus coming. and, And we're about to celebrate Easter, his death, burial, and hallelujah, resurrection. And the New Testament carries on with God's people then after Jesus has come. And listen, how they, how you and I, because we're part of that contingent, how you and I are supposed to continue what Jesus began both to do and to teach. And in the Old Testament, though, where the people of God were supposed to live on mission for God, we have these people called the Prophets. Their message are not always a happy message. It's always a redemptive and important message for us to hear. Uh, in hermeneutics, students, we call them whistleblowers. They're, they're covenant whistleblowers. They're people who say, hey, people of God, you've, you've walked away from God's covenant. You've got to get back. In one sense, I was thinking this week that, that Isaiah and his counterparts are kind of like the U.S. press secretary. They represent the president. They represent God. They're there to speak, or in this case, they they explain the tweets away, I guess. But Isaiah was like God's press secretary. He spoke on behalf of God to the people. And in Isaiah chapter 40, we begin in verse 27, this little paragraph. And, And the prophet... He addresses the people of God. He's speaking on behalf of God. He addresses the people of God, and he really confronts them with their own words. Why do you say, O Jacob, one of the the words that's called the people of God, why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, and you say, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by God? Like, like, why do you say that? Why do you whine? Why do you complain? Why do you blame God saying, God, you've forgotten about us? Hello, we're over here. You, you've forgotten about us. Or even worse, you just don't care about us. Why do you say that? The prophet asked these people. Prompted by the God Himself, saying, Why would you say my way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by God? Why would you say that? The message says this: God has lost track of me. He doesn't care what happens to me. New Living Translation says, the Lord does not see your troubles and he ignores your rights. Like, why do you say that? The the truth is, this is a human condition. It happens all the time. It, it, listen, I, I don't live. I can't give you examples out of your life, but I'm pretty sure all of us at some kind of moment have said, "God, what's up? Don't you care? Have you forgotten? Have you? Do you not even care what's happening in my world, in my life?" Uh, if you go through Old and New Testament, you find all kinds of examples. The nation of Israel who had ended up in Egypt and under slavery for 400 years. Generations of being enslaved. And God raises up to deliver Moses and, and says, let my people go. And Moses gets favor out of the fear of God by the Egyptians. And they're allowed to leave Egypt. And on the way out, the Egyptians burden them down with a love offering. Give them all kinds. Of, so they leave wealthy people, all these riches that have been given them. And they leave and head out in the wilderness. Now, I get it. The wilderness, this is not Phoenix. But it was the wilderness. It wasn't a pleasant place to be. But they get there because God's led them there. And God provides everything they need in terms of food and water and clothing. They have everything they need. And yet, what do they do? They begin to whine, murmur, complain, saying, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Forgetting all that God had done to get them there. Joshua leads them a generation later, they get to the promise, the, the edge, of the board of the promised land. They're now going to enter this land that God's promised them, a land flowing with milk and honey, a place of abundance. They're going to inherit all kinds of good stuff. And, and, but there's battles to be won, battles to be fought. They go to Jericho. It's a smashing success. Literally, smashing walls came down. Um, the walls come down, smashing success. They're going, woohoo! They go to this little place called Ai, and they are soundly defeated. Thirty-six people are defeated. And Joshua, the man of God, what does he do? He begins to whine and complain, shreds his clothes. Oh, God, what have you done to us? And God says, Joshua, stand to your feet. There's stuff going on that you don't understand. Uh, New Testament, the disciples. There's this moment in Mark's gospel Yeah, it's my favorite gospel. I had to say that. Um, Yeah, yeah. Um, Jesus has just fed 4,000, a a crowd of 4,000 men plus women and children with just this little lunch. He's fed 4,000 people. And next thing you know, Jesus is in the boat with his disciples. There's 13 of them, by my count. There's 13 of them, and they're traveling. Jesus is just in this incredible miracle, and they're in this boat, and they start looking around going, uh... They start whining. We only have one loaf of bread. You've got Jesus who just fed 4,000 plus, and you're whining about one loaf of bread? Really? But that's what we do, that's what we tend to do. And, and so the prophet says to these people, Why do you say that God has forgotten you? Why do you say that God doesn't even care about you? Like, why would you say that? Listen, he's not trying to, to quote the kids, he's not trying to throw shade. But hear me this every time the light of truth comes, shade appears. The problem is that we tend to whine and complain. And what we need, what we we need desperately, is a new perspective. And this is what goes on. He goes, verse 28 Have you not known? Have you not heard? Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. So let me go back and walk through that a little bit. Have you not known, have you not heard? He's already said that once earlier in in chapter 40 of Isaiah. Have you forgotten what you know? Have you forgotten what you heard a long time ago? Uh, we do tend to forget stuff, don't we? Men, husbands especially. I thought there'd be more amens from the ladies. Okay, uh, we'll just keep moving on. Have you not known, have you not heard? What does he say? The Lord is the everlasting God. Last choir, by the, the song with the choir, Almighty God. Have you not known, have you not heard that the Lord God is Everlasting. He's the everlasting God. He's the creator of the earth. He's done everything, He's made everything. And if we had time, we'd go back into chapter 40 and realize all that we. Because in chapter 40, Isaiah gives us massive portrait of who our God is. Things like this The word of our God will stand forever. Forever. Right now, we're in an election promise, uh, campaign, which means we're, we're hearing a lot of promises. Listen, spoiler alert, all those promises are probably not going to happen. You know that, right? Politicians, they say they mean well. They promise a lot, but you don't know because, oh, we saw the books. We can't do that now. The word of the Lord stands Forever. Uh, The Lord your God comes with might. His arms rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him. Uh, He tends to his flock like a shepherd. He gathers them. He carries some of them in his bosom. He he gently leads the young. Who, Who has measured the waters in the hall? Oh, the old song, he's got the whole world in his hands. This is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He sits on the circle of the earth. He measures the mountains, the stars, all of this. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Have you forgotten just who this God is? And so the problem of whining is addressed with a new perspective. Just remember who our God is. I am wearing progressive glasses. This provision, as I say curse, uh, happened about, it'll be two years ago this August, where I went from just having readers to having glasses that I wear all the time. Progressives, three ranges. It took me about two weeks to find the middle one. Um, and speaking about whining, my wife said I sounded like a man with a cold. Uh, I just, I was complaining and complaining. Uh, it wasn't working. I just really, I went back to the shop, but a month in. And so she adjusted some things so they'd sit differently. And I went home and went back to work. And I continued to whine like a man with a cold. Um, I went back weeks later. I called and said, I'm coming in. Something's wrong. I just They said it'll take some weeks to adjust, but it's not adjusting. And so I go back, and and she meets me. She takes the glasses and sends me back in for another eye exam. And when I come out, and I'm so grateful my wife was there. I'm so grateful Pam was by my side. She came back with my glasses and said, oh, we put the wrong lenses in. So it wasn't just me, was it, Pam? It wasn't just, I, I wasn't whining. It's like, I just like... I need something in this moment. But listen, the fact is, I'm getting older now, and as my I need glasses, they help me with perspective. And you and I in our whining, we need a new perspective. Have you not known, have you not heard that the Lord is our everlasting God? He's the creator of everything that we know. And he goes on, he goes on, not just that, um, but, but he goes on to say this, he does not grow weary. Our God never grows wearied. Our God is never, t-. now listen, he gets weary of our whining, but our God never grows weary. He never faints. His understanding, Isaiah says, is unsearchable. And you say God's forgotten. He doesn't know. He doesn't. Listen, his understanding is unsearchable. Of course God knows. I I know the emotive side of this. When we're going through the hard stuff in the dark moments, I know how we begin to have that emotional feeling of of feeling forgotten, a feeling abandoned, a feeling God has no clue what's going on. I know we feel that. But guess what? You don't live your life based upon feelings. Otherwise, there'd be a lot more people missing at work on Monday mornings than there are already. Some kind of truth has to enter in and say, no, I, I, I feel this, but I know there's something bigger. And the something bigger is that God, he, he never grows weary. His, his, his understanding is unsearchable. He gives gives power to the faint and to him or her who has no might, who feels they can't go another step. He increases their strength. He increases their strength. This this is good news. This is good news. Isaiah goes on to say this, and we know this soundbite so well. He says, even youths, Even youths, even Pastor Jeff can get tired once in a while. Even youths will grow faint and become exhausted, will become weary. It happens to the best of us, Isaiah said. The reality of feeling faint of having no might, of not knowing how you're going to make it, of not knowing, I don't know if I can go another day. Like, even the best of us can feel this way. But we need to understand that even though we may feel that way, there's a truth that rises bigger, that our God is the everlasting God who spoke the world into existence, who never grows tired, who knows everything, and he loves to give strength to those who are about to pass out. That's the truth. That's the truth. listen. God is good, and He is for us." Hear that again. God is good and He is for us. So, as preachers often lie, hurrying on oh, you're not even going to laugh at that one. OK, there you go. So here's such a familiar soundbite from the Old Testament. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles and soar. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. They that wait upon the Lord, there's a promise, there's a reward. But the posture, the posture for us is that we learn to wait. We learn to eagerly hope in the Lord, to put our full dependence upon Him and in Him. And it's not just a one-off idea that, that pops up from Isaiah, but it's throughout Scripture that we're called to wait upon the Lord. We're called to put our hope and our, and our strength in the Lord. I was thinking about this a few weeks ago. When I knew I was coming here, this is the passage that the kind of Lord just put in my heart for for this Sunday, for for God's people as we gather together. That some of us need a new perspective because you're just as my aunt, who was from the East Coast, used to say, you're just bone tired. Discouraged, frustrated. Uh, It takes patience. Psalm 46 says, be still and know that I am God. He, he's already said in Psalm 46 that, that God is a very present help in times of trouble. But you know what? Sometimes you and I are just running around like a chicken with its head cut off. We're trying to run in all directions, trying to figure things out, trying to do it ourselves. And the Word of God says just be still, be patient, and just Wait. And know that he is God. Can you do that? Some days easier than others. It requires that we trust in him. Psalm 33 says, Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For, for our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love of Lord be upon us even as we hope and wait in you. Psalm 62, trust in him at all times. I have to learn to trust God, that he's trustworthy. Listen, if in those dark moments you wonder whether you can trust God, just think about Good Friday. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to die on a cross in my place. That kind of God is trustworthy. Trustworthy. The kind of God that sends his own son to take my place and pay for my sin, that kind of God is trustworthy. If you're going to wait for the Lord, it requires obedience. Psalm 27 says, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me me on a level path. And then he says about two verses later, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. If you're going to learn to wait for the Lord, that posture of waiting upon him, then you have to be obedient to what he says. And sometimes we struggle with that. Don't have time. But King Saul, King Saul was told what to do, but he couldn't wait. He couldn't obey. He took matters into his own hands. And every time you and, Ty, you and I take matters into our hand, God goes, okay, we're going to have a mess to clean up here. Obedience. Obedience. Teach me your word. Lead me on a level path. Then ultimately surrender. Uh, We're in Lent and we're getting close to Easter. And I love... I love this season just to reflect and to realize and to think what Jesus did for us. But you know how Jesus, who was God but became one of us to take our place, the God-man in the garden, the night before he's betrayed, he's praying, he's interceding, he's feeling the weight, literally. He is feeling, listen, you and I feel that we have the weight of the world? Jesus had the weight of the world. He says, God, if there's any other way, But not my will, your will be done. He surrenders to the will of the Father. God is good and he's for us. The people who take this posture of waiting upon God, the promise of Scripture is, you will be renewed in your strength, And some days you'll be soaring, you'll be flying. Other days you're going to be running at a high pace and not fainting. But every day you can walk and keep on going, one step after the other. So I'm wondering this morning, um, as we come to conclusion. Where does this word spoken by Isaiah to God's people, where does it intersect with your life this morning? Um, just, would you do this for a moment? And just, it just, it just, it just to kind of make us focus in, but just perhaps close your eyes. And some simple questions that I just want to ask you this morning. Are you weary this morning? As my Aunt Kay used to say, are you bone tired? Are you on the verge of fainting or, and maybe no one else knows this, but you've said it in your heart, I just feel like giving Some days are harder than other days. Do you feel that like God's forgotten about you? In your weariness, in your fainting, in your heaviness of life, in your despair, have you actually entertained the thought that I don't even know God cares? have a bunch of students here this morning from Vanguard College who have three weeks of class left with due assignments, due dates and some exams and it weighs on them, but it's not just for them. It's for those who have families and you are in crises. The economic downturn Albertus you're still laboring through all of that. There's some circumstances, there's some health things that have come along your way that just go, I wasn't expecting or wanting any of that. Some of you, it was referred to earlier, but some of you are here because you're just exploring this whole church and Jesus thing, and... As Dr. Paulson said, there are people who wake up this morning with all kinds of regrets because they're chasing after something to make their life make sense. Can I just testify this morning that Jesus makes life make sense? When I opened up my life to Christ, it was the missing piece of the puzzle. It didn't make life easy, but it was the missing piece of the puzzle, and it allowed me to have hope in him. Forgiveness of sin, guilt and regret taken from my life. Sense of hope for life beyond this life. If you're here this morning, this is a good place to be because you could just open your life to Jesus right now saying, Jesus, I need what you bring. I invite you into my life to forgive sin and to make life make sense. If you're here this morning and you want to open your life up to Christ, maybe for the first time or maybe you did it a long time ago, but you've drifted a long ways away and you're coming back this morning, then seated around you are all kinds of people that you could just tell and they would be so excited to hear and just help and to pray with you. I'm going to ask a few of our students just to come and stand across the front this morning. I know we have one more part of the service to go into, but students, if you can just come and maybe off to the side a little bit. And can we all stand as a creation for a moment? Just all stand together. Heads bowed, eyes closed. A reflective, private moment. if you're here this morning and you're feeling weary and maybe that God's forgotten I I just believe with all my heart that about four weeks ago as I was thinking and praying and God put this scripture in my heart I just believe God knew that you'd be here and he wants to speak to you he said "I, I know what you're feeling I know what you're feeling but have you forgotten what you know and what you've heard Your God doesn't grow weary. He's the everlasting God. There's no beginning or end. He's just God. He's made everything and he just loves to give strength to those who are weary and tired. So, gain that perspective and assume the posture of just waiting upon the Lord. And and I would suggest this morning that maybe part of that posture of waiting would be just Saying, you know what? Acknowledging that you need to wait upon God. Acknowledging that you are weary and tired. If you're here this morning, that's you. Would you just raise your hand? Like you're, you feel weary and tired and maybe a little forgotten. Yeah. Yeah. It happens. It happens. And this is not throwing shade, but it's showing you the light that in your weariness, you can come and wait upon God, and he is good, and he loves to help us. So I'm going to pray, but right now, if you raise your hand, I would invite you just to come and allow one of our students just to agree with you, saying, God, we're going to wait upon you. We're going to look at, we need a new perspective. We're going to look to you. So that's you, just you raised your hand, why not just slip out and just come and just agree? Let these students pray with you right now. Pastor Joel's coming in just a moment, but just say, I I need to to get new perspective. I, I need to just turn myself and my attention and my affection to God. So Lord, for those who have stepped out, for those who raised hands, and maybe for those who even didn't, But Lord, a bunch of us acknowledge that we feel this. We feel weary, forgotten, forsaken. But this morning, the truth is that you alone are the everlasting God, and you love to give strength and power and might to those who are weary to those who are struggling. And so I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that as we learn to posture ourselves to wait upon you, God, may we know and experience your strength. Encourage hearts, I pray. Give a new and fresh perspective that we don't have to give up, but that our God is sufficient in our weakness, His strength is made perfect. His grace is sufficient. His grace is just enough. It's everything we need for today, and it'll be fresh for tomorrow again. We put our hope, we put our hope and our trust in you, our Lord and our God. In Jesus' name we pray.